lifeless. He's come down on some family business for sure, and uh, it's been a pleasure to have him stay in our home and hang out together. Rick and I met 100 years ago. Um, I was sharing the story yesterday, and I'll probably cry sharing it again, but we were at this conference in San Diego, and uh, I, I saw this guy buzzing all over the place. It was a pastor's conference with this group we were part of, and he was always rolling a table somewhere or setting something up or moving around. I thought, man, I, I don't know who that guy is, but I need to meet him. But he was like catching a bee. <laughs> All week long we were there, and then the thing came to an end, and I think I was checking out or something or giving my keys to the front desk at the hotel in San Diego, and I, I was thinking, I, I never met that guy. Who's that guy? And I came out the door, and here right in front of me in the, in the driveway of the hotel was this van with him sitting in it. Just looking out the window at me, and I thought, and he—he's like the same. I'm like, what is it? What is this thing we're going through? So I walked up to the man. I said, "Who are you?" <laughs> Something of that nature. And we, we met. And I said, "Well, where are you going from here?" He said, "I'm going home." I said, "Where's that?" He said, "Well, Whitehorse, in the Yukon Territory." I thought that's three thousand miles away, in this van. With, I said, "Well, that's not fair." We, I need to meet you. I need to spend time or something. There's a there's a something happening here in the spirit. He said, "Well, I'll just come to Big Bear on my way home." <laughs> I guess we're driving three thousand miles, a few hundred more is no big deal. <laughs> and the Lord gave me Rick as a friend. I never remember how long it's been since we've seen each other because it always feels like yesterday. He's just one of those kind of guys for me. And I'm grateful for that. I love to worship with him. I like to hang around with him. He's a way different personality than me, which helps probably to some degree. He's real aggressive. I I wrote <laughs> I wrote him a note before on his way. I said, you know, where are you going to be staying? And I said, do you have any allergies? You know, cats or farm animals or whatever. The McGeehans were looking at hosting him at their house, and they have horses and things. And, and uh, he said, no, nothing, anything, anything bothers me, I just shoot it. <laughs> I mean, cause he's, a, he's a bush man, you know what I mean? He's, he's from out there in the Yukon, you know, it's like, hey, just got antlers and whatever, we're going to bag it and take it home. We'll eat it all winter. So, anyway, I just, um, I'm going to go ahead and receive an offering this morning. I want to read to you. And then while we're doing that, I want to ask Rick to come and just greet you this morning. Let me read to you. This is not a plea for an offering. We use this moment to train ourselves, right, in the Word of God. So it's, it's fitting that we would talk about these things. In Proverbs 11, 23, 4, and 5, well, I'll use 6 as well. It says, The desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. There's one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. The people will curse him who withholds grain, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. This little passage from Proverbs 11 has been, it's, it's dear to my heart constantly because I always want to encourage and from the scriptures remind us to live a generous life. You never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. You don't 
You don't get to take it with you. I mean, really the goal is to live so open-handedly that when you leave, there's not much left. Um, and so we learn to, to live freely. We learn to live open-handedly. We learn to give where the need is. And sometimes you give where there's no need, no pressing need. You just move by the Holy Spirit and do something to bless others and live generously. And when we come to an offering moment, this is a moment where we can remember that we're also blessed by God. And our, everything that we have comes from Him. The Scripture says, Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is even, not even a shadow of turning. He doesn't vary. And so we know He gives us what we have. We in turn learn to give. And in tithing and offering in the, in the body of Christ, we, we've elected to give 10% of our income to the Lord as a, as a first thing that we do. And to surrender to Him that and then let Him do the miracle of making 110% out of the 90% and to take care of us. It's a commitment of our heart to say, Lord, by doing this, I'm saying I'm leaning on you. I have 100%. I'm giving up this to you by the word of the Lord. And I know that that makes me a dependent of yours. I'm declaring I'm your child and you are my father and you'll take care of me. So as we give this morning, let's have these things in our heart. Amen. Father, uh, as we do this, Lord, we want to live generously. We don't want to be the one that's naysayed for holding back what we had. Lord, and I know that it's not according to how much we have. It's about our heart. It's not whether we have millions or pennies. Lord, it's what we have in our heart to open to you and to be available to you. So this morning as we give, we give it in Jesus' name. We give it, Lord God, we release it to you and we declare we are your children. You are our Father. And we're grateful and thankful to be dependent upon you. Amen. Amen. Pastor Rick Turner from Yukon Bible Fellowship in Whitehorse, Yukon Territory, Canada. Eh? Well, good morning, Big Bear. It's good to be in the mountains. Anyhow, I <clears throat> just for a few minutes, that's all I, I want to share, but something was put in my heart during worship. But I came uh, to be up to, for a memorial from uh, one of my brothers who was 51 years old. And, uh, and I suppose I could say that in this sense, but he, he was a, a biker and he lived a hard life. And uh, there were some warnings ahead that kind of broke through them all. And I wasn't sure what I was going to be coming into. You know, uh, I've lived so for the last 30 years up in the, the Yukon. And uh, so to be connecting with my family, it's been just on occasion. So I really didn't know Mark's world. I, I just had that sense of it, and I didn't know what I was coming into. And so the Lord kind of put thoughts in my heart, and the greatest, of course, was love. Just simply love. Just love. And uh, yesterday, Jeff and I went up, and we went into the Holcomb Valley. Is that right? Now, can you imagine there were people from the city that went up there to be away and to camp and to be alone? And here was this caravan of about 40-plus 
vehicles working their way through the dust to this spot that Mark had chosen. <coughs> and um, we got there, and here's all these people, right? And uh, God filled our hearts with such love. And, and what was hit me the most was the idea that this is Mark's world. And Jesus loved Mark's world. And I couldn't believe the encounters, person after person that would share tears in their eyes, you know. I, I don't know if any of you are here, but tattooed and big, and every, everybody's big to me anyhow. So, you know, you're looking at the chest of people, you know, and tears are coming down their eyes telling me how much they loved my brother. Over 90 people were up in that valley. And uh, what an amazing moment. I had some show me they lift. This guy lifts up his shirt like this and goes, Look, I just had a tattoo made in memory of your brother. And, and it's still red. It looked like it was still dripping. <laughs> Another one comes up and says, I'm getting one put on on Monday right across here, you know. But these are the expressions that that world has in the love and the camaraderie that they have one for another. I left absolutely amazed. I, I said, Father, I've never been in a setting like this, but we had opportunity to touch lives, you know, and to share. So I was very, very impressed. And I'm still kind of walking that out. But I want to share a scripture that just kind of got dropped in my heart. Talking about the one, the one. <clears throat> a life message, a life scripture for me is Psalm 11, 16 or 16, 16, 11. And it says, you have shown me the path of life. Selah. You have shown me the path of life that in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Forty years ago in the Jesus People Movement I met the presence of God. I didn't meet a doctrine. I didn't meet a church. I, didn't, I met the presence of God. My heart longs and the DNA in my spirit longs for the presence of God. Give me his presence. I have everything I need. Let him touch my life. Everything's going to be okay. Alright? So the scripture this morning is in Song of Solomon. I know you probably turned to that was just a I have three points and we're on point one A A <laughs> A <laughs> Thank you for accommodating me. <laughs> In chapter three of Song of Solomon, this is so amazing, this verse one to four. He says, By night on my bed I sought him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but I found him not. I will rise now and go about the city in the streets and in the broadways, and I will seek him whom my soul loves. I sought him, 
but I found him not. The watchmen that go about the city found me, to whom I said, Say, Saw ye him whom my soul loves? And it was but a little that I passed from them, but I found him whom my soul loves. I held him and would not let him go until I brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her that conceived me. I I wish the Holy Spirit could take this and just engrave it in your spirit and in mine and bring us into a realm of understanding that is not natural. But there is something so deep in our spirit breathed in there by the Spirit of God. The moment you were conceived by the Spirit, there's a DNA that was transferred that you and I are not satisfied until we find Him whom our soul loves. And there is no expression that seems to ever be enough. You know, when I first met the Lord, it it was probably I spent hours and weeks and months and years at the altar in absolute brokenness with repentance. Reviewing my life and seeing the new life in this constant exchange and process and being changed in that presence. And it didn't take much. I'd come into church and there you are. I'd kneel down after work and at home and there you are. I'd go to work. I worked for an engineering company drafting and designing and I go, Lord, tears, you know, and you're in this pool of guys. (laughs) And I'm going, Lord, not here. (laughs) That presence. And you know that 40 years later, I want more. I know there's more. And it wasn't easy the first time to lift my hands. It wasn't easy to have expression. And today I need a lot of room. I found that there's movement in the Spirit. There's a place in God that my Spirit so loves to be. And, and he keeps pulling back the curtain a little bit more. And I absolutely get caught up. And yet I, know, I say, Lord, there's more. I want more. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm just saying this morning that worship to me is one of the highest privileges any Christian can have. And, and the, the transition into that is not what do I have to do, but it's an invitation of simply being. There's a place of rest for the people of God. And worship is so rich in there. And the Holy Spirit wants to teach us. And the Heavenly Father seeks. Remember here in Song of Solomon, I sought for Him. The Father seeks for true worshipers that will worship him in the spirit and in truth. Amen.
wonder if before we we start, if you could help me just sing just one quick song. It's over to this corner. And it goes, Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Jeff and Sue. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. It is tomorrow to also you share, bro. That's great. Wonderful. Ah. Let's pray. Hallelujah. God, we thank you for what you've been doing this morning in our midst. I thank you for just... God, even just moving in, in a different way again this morning. Father, for some of us, maybe we sat on the outside and saw it and said, That's, something's happening. God, I pray that you, you would move more and more and stir up these things that we would embrace what you're doing and release more of ourselves into your care. God, we pray for freedom. More and more freedom. God, to express to you our love. God, to allow you to move in our hearts in a way that might be undignified. Even as, as Rick showed, it might be that time. Oh, not now. God, but we desire, I desire, God, that you would freely move in my midst, in my heart. And God, bring me to another level a new expression of your spirit in my life God I don't want to have my own way but have yours in my in my life as we go into a time in the word this morning God we pray God that you would open our hearts our minds our ears to hear it God we know that your word is alive it's powerful God let it do its work in our lives this morning God, pray that there would be an anointing upon this mouth, God. God, come and take my place and let my words be yours as I would slip away this morning. Take my place. Hallelujah, God. Show us who you are. Show us your glory this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We've been studying the book of Hebrews now for a while. And now we come to the second last chapter of the book, which we've already already been in for a couple of weeks. Chapter 12. This book, the whole book of Hebrews, is full of exhortation and encouragement to us. It's full of history. It's full of theology. It's full of doctrine. In fact, it's, it's among one of the doctrinally controversial books between Arminianism and Calvinism. The subject has come up a number of times and it's laid out an intelligently written admonition to Jewish Christians to not return to Judaism. That's the main focus of the book written to Jewish Christians to not return to Judaism. This book is, is pragmatic to more than just Jewish Christians, however. 
The because the scriptures teach us there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. So let's not get lost in the teachings just to the Jewish Christians. But let's remember and let's look for those things that are for us. One of the ongoing themes of this book has been the word better. We've seen it in, in, our, in the titles of our message we've talked about for the last four months now. That Christ is the better or the best revelation. He is the best high priest. We've learned about the best man. The best rest. The best cure. The best word. The best covenant. We've learned about the best examples a few weeks ago. And just last week we learned about the best discipline. The best disciplines. Today we're going to learn about the best mountain. Tyler's message this morning is the best mountain. And believe it or not, we're not talking about Big Bear. There's a better mountain for us. And we want to learn about that in Hebrews this morning. In the book of Hebrews, there is five warnings. Could be this. I don't think so, but we'll find out. There's five warnings given in the book of Hebrews to us in and I want to go through those quickly. We've talked about them, but I want to kind of delineate them so we can remember that they were in there. These were warnings. I'm going to go and switch to that. We've ordered a new one. Let's see if it works better. Um, five warnings. The first warning we found as we went through the book was the warning against drifting. Against drifting away. That was found in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. We were warned not to drift away from the Lord. Not to drift away from what He's done. The second warning in there was, do not disbelieve. Do not disbelieve. And it's different than unbelieving. Disbelieving is meant towards Christians, towards those who are seeking after God, and you actually disbelieve. You choose not to. You step back. There's a warning in, in chapter 3, 7 through 4, 13 in that section is a second warning. The third warning given to us in the book of Hebrews was to not degenerate. To not go backwards. That was found in Hebrews 5, 11 through 6, 20. And that passage of Scripture is that hard passage that says, if once you have tasted of the heavenly gift, if you fall away, it's impossibly brought back to repentance. That was a, it's an incredible chapter. But that's a warning. Do not degenerate. Do not go back. The fourth warning in the book of Hebrews found in chapter 10, 26-31 was do not despise. Do not despise the Lord. Do not despise the things He's done. And today, we're going to hear the fifth one. And that is do not decline. Do not decline. I want to read the whole passage this morning quickly. We're going to be in chapter 12, verses 18-29. through 29. I want to read 11 verses. In the New King James, it says, For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched, and that burned with fire, and the blackness, and the darkness, and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure what was commanded, and if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, 
to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Verse 25. See that you not do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. This morning, the very first part of this section, verse 18, says, You have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire. And there's no name given to that mountain. But we know... We're, we know that we're talking about Mount Sinai. We have not come to the mountain that can be touched, that burned with fire, to blackness and to darkness and tempest. It's re- this passage, the writer's reaching back in the Old Testament, bringing up the pictures that we saw when Moses went up onto the mountain to get the law. He went up there and there was smoke filled and fire. God spoke from the mountain. He, they heard the voice, but they didn't see anyone speaking. God was speaking from this mountain. The, the Bible says that nobody could touch the mountain. Not even an animal. If an animal were to touch it, you couldn't even touch the animal to kill the animal. It had to die, but you had to do it from far away. If a person touched the mountain, they were to be stoned. If an animal touched it, they'd either have to stone it or run it through a spirit because it was so holy. And that's the mountain. Now, now it's, it could be confusing when you hear this. The first part it says, We have not come to the mountain that can be touched. When I read this, I went, Wait a second, we can't touch the mountain. That's one of the rules. What's he talking about? He's talking about that it's a physical mountain. Not saying that we have permission to touch it, but it, it can be touched. It's tangible. It was a physical mountain. It was Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai represents the law. Mount Sinai represents fear and the law. And it's a physical, tangible thing in our life. It's an unapproachable place. Mount Sinai. We're not holy enough to come close to it. We have to stay far away. We can never live up to what the law says. It can represent condemnation because through the law, nobody is saved. Through the law, we're found guilty with no hope. No hope in the law. So the writer is saying, we haven't come to the mountain, the physical, tangible mountain that's unapproachable, that teaches condemnation, that teaches the law, that gives no hope. Instead, we've come to Mount Zion. Verse 22. And to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Remember, Abel was the good guy. He gave the right offering. 
you look at the difference in these two passages and you think, I don't want to touch the first mountain anyways. It's full of fire and smoke and blackness and darkness and the sound of a trumpet and I can't understand it and Moses is afraid. And if Moses is afraid and he's the one who visited God and spoke to the burning bush, if Moses is afraid, what chance do I have? I don't want to go to that mountain, but I want to go to Mount Zion. Now, he's referring to the Old Testament, so our first thought is he's talking about Mount Zion, which was, was what they termed Jerusalem, where the temple was. And no, this is not that Mount Zion, because he says, you have not come to a mountain that you can touch. He's not talking about going to the temple. He's talking about the heavenly Mount Zion, the new Jerusalem. We've come today to a new place in our lives. We're not supposed to be under the law. We're not supposed to run to works in the law. Instead, we're supposed to come to the mountain that we can't touch. Well, how are we going to get there, Lord? We need Jesus. I want to to see the things that, that we're invited to. And even as we read it a second ago, they're inviting. Mount Zion, city of the living God, heavenly Jerusalem to innumerable company of angels. You know, angels are what we desire. We desire to see angels working in our midst. We're, we're, we, I think, as the, as the body of Christ, we're a little afraid of angels, even talking about them, because we don't want to get off into the worship of angels. But, but you know, there is a lot of activity in the spiritual realm, and the angels are involved in it. And it's a good thing. I'm thankful, and, and, and I don't know exactly if it looks like this. I remember years ago re- reading a book by Frank Peretti, um, This Present Darkness, and uh, he talked about the New Age and the spiritual realm. Frank, Frank Peretti, I believe, was a pastor up in Washington, off the islands there. And, and, and boy, because I went to one of the islands where he was supposed to have lived, or suppo- lives, and New Age, and just you could feel a spiritual darkness but in that book, it was a great picture because I believe it's got to be like this. If there are more angels than sand on the seashore, I don't have one guardian angel. I got a lot more. I got angels that are about, and there's demons also, but I praise God that there's only a third of the number of demons as there are angels, so we're still out number two to one. But angels represent help, strength, and there's an innumerable count of angels that, of the mountain we're going to. That's a good picture. So as we go to the general assembly, and that's just the whole group, and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, that's us. The church of the firstborn calls us the saints later on. We go to the mountain where all of the believers are registered, and if we go back from the beginning of time until now, there's a lot of believers represented in Zion. And we're going to the mountain where we get to be in fellowship there. We're going to the mountain to God, the judge of all. Get to go to the mountain where God lives and touch it and be part of it. That's a good place. And it goes on. Just men made perfect. Just men made perfect. The saints that had gone before were there. We get to go be with the saints from all time. I know their name, but they don't know mine, but I can't wait to be in their presence.
we're part of a bigger family than just us. And we're made perfect because of Christ's sacrifice, because of His blood. We get to go the mountain to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. We don't have to walk under the old covenant, but we get to go and be part of the new covenant. This is an inviting thing for us this morning. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. No more sacrifices. No more things that even some of us may do in this room of, of flogging ourselves for the bad things we do. Now maybe none of you have a little whip in your, in your room and you flog yourself. But we beat ourselves up because of the sin and the bad things we do. And we're forgiven because the blood of Christ has forgiven us. This blood speaks better than that of the sacrifice of Abel. It's pure, it's holy, it covers everything. We should no longer flog ourselves and beat ourselves up and say, I can't believe I did that. But go to the cross and say, God, forgive me and help me to never do that again. And receive true freedom, true forgiveness because of that blood. The Bible says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. Some of you sitting in this room this morning are sitting there condemned. You're condemned in your thoughts. You're condemned in some of your actions. You don't know how to get at There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. If you're sitting condemned this morning, you need to shake that off and receive Christ's forgiveness in your life. Stop walking the way the devil wants you to in condemnation. And stand up and say, no more, I'm not condemned for my sin. God, help me to walk straight. I don't want to walk in that sin, but I'm going to continue walking, but I am not condemned. This mountain sounds better to me. I don't want to go back to the scary mountain. I don't want to go back to the mountain of the law. Now we go, well, you, we don't even understand the law. I think Christians today, we've talked about this, and Pastor Floyd has done great, great jobs just you know, continue to help us understand. We're, we're like modern day Judaizers. We have our own laws. We, we come up with our own laws. Well, a Christian's supposed to do this and this and this and can't do that. And we make up our own laws and we keep going back to that mountain. No, we're part of the heavenly Jerusalem. A new place. Mount Zion. Jesus, the new mediator to God. He's the judge of all. We don't have to worry about that. We're under forgiveness. We have His grace. What a comparison this first, first section gives us. Zion. I want to read a few, a few passages on Zion. And as you go and just you do, a, do a concordance search on, on how many times Zion comes, there's wonderful studies in Scriptures. Psalm 102, 16, For the Lord will rebuild Zion and appear in His glory. Psalm 110, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion. You will rule in the midst of your enemies. That's a place I want to be. I want to be able to rule in the midst of my enemies. Too often, we're cowering in the midst of our enemies. But God wants to be translated to a new mountain and rule in the midst of our enemies. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. Our hope, our standing is solid, it's secure. Our citizenship is in heaven. And that's what Mount Zion is talking about, heaven. But the moment that we receive Christ, our citizenship changed. We are not physically 
in the new Mount Zion, in the heavenly Jerusalem. But our citizenship is of Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem. As an ambassador... You know, we, we, we've watched movies and TV shows where, and it's always a bad, you know, a, a bad ambassador comes from another country and he does all these bad things here and our laws don't get him. Right? And, they, and what they say, I have diplomatic immunity. You can't even give them a ticket. Nothing. Because they live according to the laws of their country. Church, when are we going to get it? We have diplomatic immunity. The laws of this world don't apply to us because we live under the laws of the heavenly Jerusalem. That gets exciting. Amen, Pastor Rob. Just wanted to help you out a little bit. Many people will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us His ways, so that we may walk in His paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. The day is coming and we're part of the kingdom that wars are over, that peace comes. It's one of the benefits of the heavenly Jerusalem. It's one of the things that we're going to. We're going to a land of peace and safety. And our citizenship is there. The Lord, Isaiah 14, 32, The Lord has established Zion, and in her His afflicted people will find refuge. Sometimes we're still afflicted in Zion. In the heavenly Jerusalem, we find refuge. It's a place of peace. It's a place of safety. Hmm. No one living in Zion will say, I am ill. And the sons of those who dwell there will be forgiven. Our citizenship is part of a place where there's no sickness. Our citizenship, the mountain that we're going to, we're moving forward, that we're already a part of, we're forgiven. Amen. Wow. It's peace and safety. It's said in that list that we're going to be together with the saints of God. We're going to be Worshipping. It's a place of worship. It's a place of fellowship. I'd rather go to the mountain, to Mount Zion, to Mount Sinai. How about you? We have to remember to exhort each other and encourage each other. Listen, let's not go back. Let's not go back to the ways of the world. Let's not go back and entangle ourselves to law to having to do things for Christ, let's be part and move forward and go to the heavenly Jerusalem. And that, that's, this passage is wonderful if we can get a hold of it. But then, verse 25, it comes, and this is what the book, this is what Hebrews does to us. It lays and gives out these wonderful pictures and it says, but, wait. And here comes the, the next section. And it's a directive. See that you do not refuse Him who speaks. Do not refuse Him who speaks. Now we just heard about Him who speaks from the mountain. It's talking about God. 
We don't want to refuse Him who speaks. This is the fifth warning in the book of Hebrews. And, I, and, and I, if you noticed, I, they were all D's. So I, instead of refuse, I put decline. Do not decline the one who speaks. Don't decline God. He's speaking to us. He's calling forth to us. He's calling us forward to the heavenly Jerusalem. Let's not decline what He says to us. For if they did not escape who refused Him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from Him who speaks from heaven. The directive and now the warning. We're not going to escape. If we decline to listen to God who's speaking to us, who's drawing us, who's even convicting us of sin in our life, not condemning but convicting, drawing us forward, let's not decline the one who's speaking to us and say, I can do my own thing. It's really not that bad. Let's not decline the one who speaks. For we shall not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. Now, if we can go back, and we've had a lot of cinematography, a lot of movies that have helped visualize events like this, but Mount Sinai and smoke and fire and the rumbling of God's voice would be a pretty awesome moment to behold. If we can just go there for a moment and go, picture yourself at the bottom of a big hill and the hole is shaking and rumbling and smoke and fire and a voice speaks to you, pipsqueak on the ground. It's awesome. It's massive. God is an awesome God. That's the one word that, that word. That's the one place that word works. Awesome should be reserved for God, whose voice then shook the earth. But now He has promised. Yet once more I shake not only the earth but also heaven. His voice, His awesomeness is so majestic. Is so awesome. It's be awesome. <laughs> Sorry. That He will shake the heavens, not just the earth. Talking about the end of days when His Word goes forth and the elements, Peter says, will melt with a fervent heat. Everything will be destroyed and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. His power, His awesomeness shakes not just the earth. It shakes the heavens. It indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made. Everything that's made will be shaken and destroyed. What will remain? Only that which cannot be shaken. We are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. The heaven and earth shall pass away. These skies, the heavens. But His Word doesn't. And heavenly Jerusalem, where our citizenship is, our life in Christ cannot be shaken. It's firm. Our place that we belong cannot be shaken. It cannot be moved. And because we're part of that, we need to be living a life that I cannot be shaken. I remember the old song, and it's a, it's a psalm, I'm sure... 
You know, I will not be, I will not be moved. We will not be moved. We can't be shaken because we're part of something that's bigger. But there's a warning to us. Do not decline the one who speaks. God speaks to each of us today. He speaks to each and every one of us. And you know His voice. It's the voice that when you hear it, sometimes you turn up the radio or turn on the movie because you don't want to hear it. We're declining to listen to His voice, but His voice is calling out. Yesterday, I didn't have the opportunity to go, but there were many people yesterday at the memorial who heard God's voice. They were given an opportunity to respond in the positive or to decline what God was saying to them. Their prayer, my prayer was, as Pastor Rick was talking about, yes, says, God, let them respond. Don't let them decline your word. You might be in here this morning and you've never responded positively to God's voice in your life. You've been maybe coming to church and sitting in the, in the chairs and you've attended other churches, but you've never really responded yes to God. You've kind of declined. You know He's got something more for you. You've, you've come just a little ways. In the book of Hebrews, there's a controversy of whether he's writing to Jewish Christians or Jews that are right on the verge of receiving the Savior. And then there's no proof either way. Are they unsaved still? Have they not made that final step? And, and I'll guarantee you there's a lot of us that are like that. Not necessarily in this room. There's a lot of people that are like that. We've been hanging out with Christians. We've been going to church. We're right on the verge, but we've never fully stepped over the line. I was blessed. And when Pastor Rick, even this morning, he said, he was overwhelmed and he was spent so much time in that repentance. Realizing what he had been saved from. That's one of the lines that if you've never crossed in your life, if you never had that opportunity, that position where you really went, I am a sinner. And my acts are unholy. And I can't make it on my merits. I need Jesus. You could be one of those who've come right up just to the fringe of Christianity, but never truly says, I repent. I receive your sacrifice. I want to be part of the heavenly Jerusalem. And then there's those here this morning who we've, we know we're saved. We've repented. But God is calling. Maybe He's desiring you to take the next step. Say, I've got, I've got something more for you, child. I've got something more. Will you take the next step? I want to use you. And you're declining. You're vacillating. Don't vacillate between two decisions. Don't decline His voice this morning. Respond and say, God, how could I decline to be further into the things that you have for me? And I want to be part of everything that you have because... I see in these passages it's so good. I'm part of the innumerable angels. Don't decline His voice as He's calling you further in. There's another group 
that could be in here this morning of those again, you, you've repented of your sins and you've committed your life to Him. But there's, there's a sin, even as we talked about a few weeks ago, a sin that is so easily entangles that you keep getting pulled into and you, you haven't given that up. And He's saying, it's time. It's time to walk away from that bondage. It's time to give that up completely. Don't decline. Don't refuse to listen to His voice. Hear the one who speaks this morning. We were talking about why some people, specifically you know, certain groups of people, they don't come to Christ. And I said, I believe one of the reasons that that some people don't come to Christ is they look at Christian Christians and go, I can't be like that. I don't want to. I, I can't be like that. I've, you know, they're too tame or whatever it is. We don't have to become like another person, but we do have to become like God wants us to be. We can't hold on to our our selfish desires and motives. Well, if I can't dress the way I want to dress, if I can't do the things I want to do, I don't want any part of it. And I'm not saying you can't dress, that there's a certain dress code for Christianity, but if God would were to call you out of your lifestyle and say, it's not a sin, but by the way, you need to dress different because I have a different plan for you. Would we be willing? Would we be willing to say, God... Everything I am, I give to you. My job? You want my job? I'll give it to you. You want me to change careers? I'll give it to you. Maybe freely open-handed with our lives saying, God, you've got something better than I can manufacture with my life. Don't decline to answer the call. Don't decline to, to hear God and respond to His voice. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace. Another translation, I believe a more proper translation on that, is let us be thankful. Since we are receiving a kingdom that can't be shaken, let us be thankful. But He wants me to give something up to Him. Be thankful. Be thankful because He's got something so good to you. And if you can just say, God, thank you. Thank you, God, by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. We don't get to serve God on our own terms. I read that and went, it's right there. You know what makes me believe that there is a way to serve God unacceptably. And too often, I've done that in my life. I have served God unacceptably. But I said, but I'm serving God anyways. And he says, no, I want you to serve God acceptably with reverence and fear. He is holy. He is awesome. And there's got to be that reverence of who He is and not just a attitude of, well, you know, God will forgive me and God this and God that. I've heard a lot of people speak bad of the police. 
even say things, oh yeah, I'll tell that cop what to do, and blah, 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 blah. When the cop walks in the door with his gun and his thing, man, people go. All the big talk stops. God is awesome. Reverence, fear, stand in awe of Him. Serve Him acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Why? For our God is a consuming fire. It goes back to the beginning. The one mountain was on fire and that's not the mountain we're going to. But God is a consuming fire. And when we get close to Him, He'll consume everything. And He'll consume our lives into His. And we'll become part of the flame of God as we allow Him to consume our lives. But we have to respond this morning. We can't decline any longer. Let's stand. Now, I don't believe there's anything necessarily magical about going forth to an altar call, but I know that there's something that happens when we take a step forward to say, I'm not going to decline to listen to God any longer. This morning, I want to open up the front. If you are one of these three people, one who's realized that you've never repented, you've never fully come to Jesus, you've been dancing around and you've been looking in the windows, looking in what's happening, but you've never committed your life and repented from your sins. If you're that person who God is calling you to step it up, you know that God has been calling your name, saying, I have something more. Will you not heed my call? Step into the ministry. Step into the place that I have for you. Or if you're that third person who you're saved, but you've lived your own life, you've got this thing, it's over you, and God's saying it's time to give it up. It's time to give it up. This morning, don't refuse to listen to God. Come forward. Make that step that says, I'm, I'm going to listen to you, God. I'm going to be obedient. Just make your way to the front, and you can kneel down. You can worship. You can pray. Don't miss this opportunity. It's a step of faith that as even you do that, those around you can pray. They can hold you up in prayer. The truth is, is you'll just be one of the great multitude of people who need to continually offer ourselves back to God. Don't miss out on the opportunity. Jesus. God, right now I pray that you would search our hearts and speak to us, God. God, that you would show us which person we are. You'd reveal to us, God, that there's something that we're not heeding. And God, let us change our thinking. As we repent, we agree with you and we say, God, we, we'll listen to you.
pray a prayer. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I won't refuse to hear your voice. I choose to respond today. I step over the line. I set my eyes on the heavenly Jerusalem. I will not look back. I will not be detoured. I will not drift. I will not disbelieve. I will not despise. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for leading me into new life. Help me to surround myself with other Christians who are walking for you. I commit my life into your care. In Jesus' name. We're going to continue just to have an atmosphere of worship and keep the the front open for prayer. If you want to come and pray or if you need prayer, if you want the elders or someone else to pray, if you come forward and the rest will leave quietly. And don't forget, there is a leaders meeting right afterwards. And so if you're a leader, stay. And then in a little while, we'll get the chairs moved out here.